In the Book of Common Prayer, we are reminded that Good Friday is the most somber of all days and is appropriately marked by fasting, abstinence, and penitence, leading us to focus on Jesus and the meaning of his cross. We are reminded of the solemnity and the sorrow of the day. The Lord of life was rejected, mocked, scourged, and then put to death on the cross. We, the faithful, are reminded of the role which our own sin played in this suffering and agony as Christ took all sin upon himself in obedience to the Father's will. By the cross we are redeemed, set free from bondage to sin and death. The cross is a sign of God's never-ending love for us. It is a sign of life in the midst of death. It is a sign of life in the midst of COVID-19. Earlier today, we meditated on the seven last words or sayings of Jesus from the cross. We heard that Jesus' love was so extreme that he prayed for forgiveness for those who maliciously mistreated him. But when you think about it, we are the real ones that sent Jesus to the cross. Our sins, our corruption, our weakness, and pettiness. You and I, made the cross necessary. We are the ones he prays to forgive. In his death, our Savior was numbered with the transgressors to show us the position he occupied as our substitute. However, in this awful position between two criminals, he demonstrated his love and mercy that is always available to us. Jesus prayed to the Father, asking that if possible, he would not require him to drink of the cup. Jesus' cup, however, wasn't death, even death on the cross. His cup was the requirement that he, the holy Jesus, bear our unholy sins, and as a result, receive on himself the judgment and punishment of God for our sins. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus knows that the cross would mean separation from God. Then the cry of, I thirst, was not only a cry for satisfaction of one of the body's most basic needs. This cry of, I thirst, shows the intensity of Christ's sufferings. This was the first time that our Savior was not in communion with the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was desperately thirsty for communion with the Father. After the torture, the mockery, the abandonment by his disciples, the agony and excruciating pain, we hear his cry of jubilation. It is finished! Now the victim becomes the victor. Normally those who are defeated go out with a whimper. But Jesus, the victor, announced his victory loudly and broadly. It is finished. 
The victory shout of Jesus echoed across the small flat hilltop and to the world beyond. It is finished. As he let go of this life, Jesus trusted his eternal destiny to the Father's everlasting arms. Jesus spoke a word of surrender. He gave up his human life to his Father who had given it to him 33 years before. Jesus prayed his final prayer with peace because he knew the Father and knew that there would be life with the Father beyond death. Jesus knew that he had won the victory over sin and death. Jesus knew it was Friday, but that Sunday was soon to come. St. John Chrysostom, Bishop of Constantinople in his homily on the cross and the thief delivered at the end of the fourth century, preached about the festivity surrounding the cross. The following is an excerpt from that homily. The cross used to denote punishment, but has now become a focus of glory. It was formerly a symbol of condemnation, but it is now seen as a principle of salvation. For it has now become the source of innumerable blessings. It has delivered us from error, enlightened our darkness, and reconciled us to God. We had become God's enemies and were foreigners afar off. And it has given us his friendship and brought us close to him. For it, us it has become the destruction of enmity, the token of peace, the treasury of a thousand blessings. Thanks to the cross, we are no longer wandering in the wilderness because we know the right road. We are no longer outside the royal palace because we have found the way in. We are not afraid of the devil's fiery darts because we have discovered the fountain. Thanks to the cross, we are no longer in a state of widowhood for we are reunited to the bridegroom. We are not afraid of the wolf because we have the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he said. Thanks to the cross, we dread no usurper, since we are sitting beside the king. That is why we keep festival as we celebrate the memory of the cross. St. Paul himself invites us to this festival in honor of the cross. In 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 8th verse, St. Paul said, Let us celebrate the feast, not with the old leaven, that of corruption and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And he tells us why, saying, Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Now, do you see why he appoints a festival in honor of the cross? It is because Christ was immolated on the cross. And where he was sacrificed, there is found abolition of sins and reconciliation with the Lord. And there too, festivity and happiness are found. On this Good Friday, this day in which we proclaim as good, St. John Chrysostom would have encouraged us to do, say this. Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us 
for all upon the cross, once for all upon the cross. Therefore, let us keep the feast. I close tonight with a fictitious monologue entitled, The Thief on the Other Cross, a Good Friday monologue, written by Dr. Ralph Wilson, founder of Joyful Heart Ministries. I don't belong here. I really don't. Paradise is the last place I expected to end up after all I have done. Let me tell you my story. I am, I was an armed robber. I guess you'd call it that. Me and Jake and the others would live in caves in the Judean hills near the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. We made our living by violence. We wouldn't take on people in the big groups as they passed. They traveled together for safety. But a family alone would be an easy mark, as well as anyone fool enough to travel by himself. Brandishing a strong staff would usually do the trick. Threaten them with a beating and they'd give up without much of a fight. But I've been known to break a few bones in my day. God forgive me. I don't think I actually killed anyone, but then I never stayed around long enough to find out. The first time I meet Jesus is when I'm invited to a party in his honor in Jericho at the home of a rich tax collector named Zacchaeus. I am introduced. We shake hands, and Jesus looks me in the eye for a long moment. He can see right into me who I am, every crime I've ever committed. Then he smiles this big friendly smile. You know, he says, there's forgiveness for you in my kingdom. How about it? I drop my eyes, say something not committal, and shuffle away. The next day I'm in the crowd hanging on every word he says. Jesus is talking about his kingdom, comparing it to a mustard seed, calling it the kingdom of heaven. I want so much to go up to him after he has finished and take him up on that forgiveness thing, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I wish I had. It wasn't much later after that when me and my friend Jake, the guy on the third cross, get caught by a Roman patrol. The others run off, but they catch us, beat us silly, drag us into Jerusalem, and throw us in prison. No mercy for the likes of us. And so it happens that on the same day that they crucify Jesus, they crucify me and Jake. One of us is on his left and the other is on his right. Now, this isn't any normal crucifixion. Mobs of people are there just because of Jesus. Self-righteous Pharisees are swaggering and mocking. If you're some kind of Messiah, one sneers, come down from that cross. If you're a Savior, save yourself if you can. Jake begins catcalling too, if you can imagine that. I yell over at him, 
You miserable thug, don't you have any fear of God? Can't you see that we're going to die just like he is? Show a little decency. We're getting exactly what we deserve, but he ain't done nothing wrong. Jake quiets down, and Pharisees lose interest. But I can't get Jericho out of my mind. I can't forget Jesus' eyes, his words, his invitation. And so I call over to him, though it's getting harder to breathe and Talking makes it that much harder. Jesus, I say, he turns his head towards me. Jesus, I was there in Jericho. I met you at a party at Zacchaeus' house. Remember? He looks at me for a moment and then nods his head just a little. He does remember. I never forgot what you said. I wanted to say yes, but just couldn't. And now look at me. Look at us. He's in bad shape, exhausted, in excruciating pain, back oozing, breath labored. He isn't going to last long. I can see that. But somehow, I can see beyond all that. He, was the, he is the Messiah, no matter what those priests And Romans and Pharisees have done to him. And when he dies, he will be with God. In a few hours, maybe less, he will be vindicated. He will reign in that kingdom he told us about. Jesus, I call quieter now. He opens his eyes. They are the same eyes. The same piercing, loving, honest eyes. Jesus, I say, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? His words are labored, his lips parched, but I can still hear him pretty well. Truly, I say to you, his voice cracks, then is stronger for a moment. Truly, this very day you will be with me in paradise. His eyes droop. He's fading quickly now, but I believe him. I do. That's what gets me through those next few hours until they break my legs to kill me. I do believe him. And then I find myself here in heaven, in paradise. I sure don't deserve to be here, but here I am anyway. I guess that's what a man like me gets when the king himself gives you a pardon. Full forgiveness. Pretty amazing, don't you think? 